And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We rejoice in that we have your written word. We know what the Father has revealed to all his children. And we rejoice in that because we have a loving Heavenly Father that desired to communicate to us through his written word. And you know, it's such a blessing to live in this time because think about all the different translations of the Bible that we have to be able to, to choose from. Some translations are better than others, and I'm not going to launch into which one is better than the other, but I believe this. If, if the Spirit of the living God is having you read a certain translation, that's fine. Because remember this, it is the Spirit of the living God who's leading you into all truth. And so no matter what translation that the Spirit is encouraging you to read, you read that translation, all right? And be rest assured that if there's anything that is an error, error of that translation, the Spirit of the living God will bring that light to you. And then you'll be able to fully understand. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here is part two of Acts of Yeshua's Emissaries, the Shalakim, which are the Emissaries, chapter 18 of the book of Acts. And we'll begin in verse number one. Acts chapter 18 and beginning at verse one. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And after this, Shaul left Athens and went to Corinth, where he met a Jewish man named Aquila, originally from Pontus, but having recently came with his wife, Priscilla, from Italy, because Claudius had issued a decree expelling all Jews from Rome. And Shaul went to see them, and because he had the same trade as they, making tents, he stayed on with them, and they worked together. Shaul also began carrying on discussions every Shabbat in the synagogue, where he tried to convince both Jews and Greeks. But after Sila and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Shaul felt pressed by urgency of the message and testified in depth to the Jews that Yeshua is the Messiah. See, this was Rav Shaul's foundation. He was not there to, to recite what Judaism was there and to be in the first century. It was all about Yeshua being the Messiah. What is our message now to the world today? No different. Yeshua is the Messiah. It's not about the feasts of Adonai. It's nothing else. It's the person, the individual. See, because the feasts of the Lord point towards him. They real, reveal different portions of his character, and they also reveal what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's about to do. The first four feasts, and I won't even mention them today, I know them by name, 
But the first four feasts were already fulfilled. The last three feasts, which will be starting here in September 19th, are yet to be fulfilled in Yeshua. But the focal point of every Messianic congregation and every church should be Yeshua as being Jesus, as being the Messiah. Or as in English, Jesus, who is the Christ. Now, Christ is not his last name. That's a title, Christos, which comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which transliterated into English is the Messiah. So the whole foundation stone that Abba, Father, God has built upon for us to be focused on today is not all the turmoil that's going on in the world. It's not COVID-19, but it's simply Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's move forward. Verse 6. However, when they set themselves against him, who are they? The non-believing Jews. And you know when Rav Shaul is being insulted and he's being buffeted about and beaten, he understands their perspective. Because years earlier, he had the same perspective. He did not believe that Yeshua was the Messiah. It took time and revelation from God himself and Yeshua speaking directly to him and visiting with him. Yes, that's right. After Yeshua died and rose from the dead, then ascended to the Father, he had face-to-face -face meetings with Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, here on earth. Some people say, well, there's this white person or this man dressed in white remnant. It doesn't say that his complexion is white, but he's appearing now in the Muslim world right now. And they're coming to know Yeshua Jesus as the Messiah. You see, when Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, was on this journey to proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah, it says that he spent years before he would go forth and he would proclaim the good news. Because just as the original 12 had time that they were made into Talmudim, Rav Shaul went through the same process himself. These were divine visitations from Yeshua himself. And who testifies to this? But Rav Shaul. As we go on this adventure through the book of Acts, we read where it says that the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him directly. And so he is sealed. He, Rashul later says this, that he was an, an apostle, an emissary, a Shelachim that was born out of time. He wasn't one of the original 12, but he had the same authority as the original 12. So let's move forward here. Verse 6. However, when they set themselves against him, he began, 
and began hurling insults, he shook out his clothes and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. For my part, I am clean from now on. And I will go to the Gentiles. And this is basically like a, a tease. He was calling them on the carpet. He was proclaiming to them what Ezekiel was, was told by Adonai in direct com conversation. That he, as a prophet, speaking of Ezekiel, that he was to warn the people that their hearts were not right with God. And they were to do what? Do to Shuba to turn away from the direction that they were going and go back to whom? But to be reconciled unto God himself. And so basically, this is what Rav Shul is saying to them. He's saying, your blood now is on your own head, not upon mine, because I have now revealed to you that Yeshua is the Messiah. And you have to decide for yourselves. Otherwise, if he would have just stayed there, stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, they would have gotten angry. They probably would have came to blows, or they would have taken him outside and probably tried to either stone him or, or take a rod, beat him with a rod, or, or whip him. But the Spirit told him, say, tell them this, so they know that they're now, they're responsible for this revelation that he's now, uh, he's now sharing with them and proclaiming to them that Yeshua is the Messiah. Because a lot of people don't understand this. The Jewish people up to that time have been waiting for centuries. Even their uh, Gentile parents, Adam and Eve, were waiting for the promised seed, the seed of a woman that would come. And now Rav was proclaiming to them that this one has come, and he is Yeshua, the Messiah. So verse 7, so he left them and went into the home of a God-fearer. And I have to underline this yet again. What's a God-fearer? That's someone from the nations who've come to recognize that all the pagan gods are false gods. And there's one true God. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he joined himself with the Jewish people. And this individual would come, and he would go there in the area of the synagogue, and he would hear the Tanakh. He would hear the Torah reading every Shabbat, and he would participate up to a point. Now it gives us his name, Titus Justice, whose house was right next door to the synagogue. What a blessing. He lived right next to the synagogue. He didn't have to travel far. He just walked next door, and there was the house of worship for him. Now it goes on to say, Christmas. We're introduced to somebody brand new here also. The president of the synagogue came to trust in the Lord. Are you kidding me? This is outstanding. Today, this would be all over CNN, Fox News, NBC, ABC, CBS. 
that Crispus here in the city of Corinth gave his life and acknowledged Yeshua as the Messiah. This held great weight throughout that whole Jewish community that lived in Corinth. Think about the surrounding villages. This probably went all the way back down to Macedonia because this word would have traveled quickly. Probably the brothers in Jerusalem are hearing about this and they're rejoicing that Crispus, the president of the synagogue in Corinth, has come to put his trust in what? In Yeshua as his Lord. And let's don't stop there. Don't stop the presses. There's even more. And his whole household. Can you imagine that? When Yeshua was on this earth, his brothers did not come to trusting in him until after he died and he rose from the dead. This is a miracle that his whole household, you know, many times we read over these scriptures like, oh yeah, okay, big deal. Are you kidding me? This is revolutionary. Let's go forward. Also many of the Corinthians who heard trusted. And what happened? They were immersed. They went under the mikvah of purification. See, because many times we forget about this. For a Jewish man or woman to go into the temple to offer their offering, because sacrificial gifts of offerings, and that was not money, these were animals that were being brought, bought and brought and sacrificed prior to that individual even going and purchasing this sacrificial animal, they had to go through the mikvah, the immersion baths, all right? And so think of this. Now these Corinthian people from the nations, these other God-fearers, are now going underneath the waters of immersion. And so did Crispus. And he's going underneath these waters of immersion. Why? To proclaim Yeshua is the Messiah. We got to think back to Yohanan John. John the Baptist as we know him. John the Immerser. What did he do? He called people to repentance. John would put them under the water. The symbol of going, dying to your old nature and a rising new life, new commitment, new relationship with God. And so when Crispus and his whole household went underneath the waters of immersion here, that was the seal, undeniable, that Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's go forward here. It's good to slow down from time to time. Now, in verse 9, One night in a vision, the Lord said to Shaul, Who's the Lord here? It's Yeshua. He's speaking to him directly. He's getting his marching orders 
from the commander of chief of all the Lord's, Abba Father God's armies. But a lot of times we just think, oh, the Lord, oh, that's just the Lord. But we don't recognize him for whom he is. See, Yeshua is alive and well. He rose from the dead. He's orchestrating and building the kingdom of Abba, Father God, from heaven. He's staying there before the Abba, Father God, as our eternal high priest. He's not bringing the blood of bulls or goats or lambs, but he's bringing his own blood before the Father. Remember this. Everything that Moshe was instructed on the mountain to build the Mishkan and the ark and all the brazen altar, all those things, the menorah, all those things was a foreshadow of what God has already created in the heavens. Aaron and his sons were the priests upon the earth. But who was he priest eternally? prior to Mosaic law even going being, being established. But Yeshua has always been our eternal high priest in the heavens. From the order of whom? Melchizedek. Let's move forward here in the scripture. One night in a vision, the Lord Yeshua, I'll add, or Jesus, said to Saul, Shaul, or Paul, don't be afraid. You know something? When he says to us, don't be afraid, what are we to do? Don't be afraid. It's that simple. Otherwise, who are you fearing? Is Yeshua sitting on your life, your throne of your life? Or is it your boss? Or is it some politician? Or is it a parent? We are to fear the Lord is the beginning of what? All wisdom. So you want to be wise? You make the choice. Are we to fear Hasatan? No. What did Yeshua say? Don't fear those that can kill the body, and then what? We're to fear the Lord. He gives us eternal life. And this is a direct word. Notice this. An angel didn't appear and speak to Rav Shaul. This was the Lord himself because he wanted to give him this exclamation. I got your back. So anything the Lord ever calls you to do as a believer, he's got your back. Let's go forward here. Don't be afraid, but speak right up. In other words, don't hinder your tongue. Don't worry about what you're going to say because I will fill your mouth with the words that you are to share. No less, no more. What was Yeshua's example upon this earth? He saw what the Father was doing, and he did not go to the left or the right. What does the Father want us to do today? following Yeshua's example. See, we make it so complicated. But God knows that we're simple-minded people. 
And I'll acknowledge I'm probably the most simple-minded person in all the kingdom of God. He's got to make things simple for me. So I will not stray. I will not go off the path. Let's go forward here. But speak up and don't stop. Because I am with you. So who do you need? If you have the Lord there, who do you need? If that person's about to put you to death, who cares? Who's with you and holding you as you're dying? Who's there to usher you in the presence of the Father? Yeshua. He's there. Scripture says he sticks more closer than a brother. And who else is inside of us? The Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. We have nothing to fear except not pleasing Abba, Father God. That should be our only fear. Let's move forward here. Verse 10, because I'm with you. No one will succeed in harming you. Moving forward. For I have many people in this city. So Shaul stayed there for a year and a half. Wait a second. A year and a half? We don't see any place in Scripture where, where he's been staying this amount of time in one place. I got your back. I'm there with you. Speak and don't stop speaking. Yeshua has given this, this man the green light. <laughs> and we know this. Rashaul, he knew how to speak. Let's move forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 11, so Shaul stayed there for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. You mean he didn't teach them about how to invest their money properly or how to uh, do all these other things? He didn't, he didn't dis discuss with them the politics of the day, how we could uh, potentially vote out uh, Caesar or we should start an insurrection. No, he simply focused on what is eternal. See, this whole world, this whole government systems will one day pass away. What is eternal? You and I, God the Father, God the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, and His Word. It's eternal. So where are you putting your trust today? What are you focused on? Is what's going on in your community? Our focus is to be on what? Proclaiming the word of God and that alone. Because we know this, that Rav Shaul, according to the scripture, he was making tents. And think about this. He was in a partnership with whom? With both uh, these two individuals here, Priscilla and Aquila, for a year and a half, 
And so what did he do during the day? He was making tents alongside them. Think about that year and a half time of fellowship and getting to know one another and getting to know the people in that community. What a blessing that was for Rav Shaul. Still living in whose house? But Titus Justice, a God-fearer. Think of the impact that he had on that man's family and his testimony. So going forward here, in verse 11, but when Galileo became the Roman governor of Acacia. Now look at your maps. Can you find Acacia? It's actually a providence. It's kind of like I live in, uh, I got to think about this, in Cass County, in Pillager, Minnesota. All right. So the county, the Providence, is called Acacia. Okay. The unbelieving Jews made a concerted attack on Shaul and took him to court. Notice this. This is after a year and a half. So they had been planning, they've been scheming to bring this up. All right saying, this man is trying to persuade people to worship God in ways that violate Torah. So that was their charge, okay? All right? He's violating. So now they need to prove how he violated that. And notice this. It's, it's in a secular court. Let's go forward here. Shaul was just about to do what? Open his mouth. Why was he about to open his mouth? To defend himself. And who gave him, a year and a half earlier, their permission to speak out and not be silent? But Yeshua. So for a year and a half, he was proclaiming the good news, teaching the word of God, and he wasn't teaching Matthew through Revelation. Why? Because it was not in existence yet in written form. He was teaching through Genesis, Bergit, through Malachi. I know in some translations, it's Second Chronicles. All right? So he was teaching through the Word of God, the Tanakh, the Torah. And there's some people within the Christian church that say, well, you don't even have to read the Old Testament anymore. That's just all about the law. You can forget about that because Yeshua, Yeshua fulfilled the law. And so you don't even have to focus on that. But they don't, they never wrap this in their heads and understand. Well, what was Rav Shaul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the others, what were they proclaiming? They weren't proclaiming Matthew. Mark, Luke, and John, because it hasn't been written yet. It's been lived out. It hasn't been written yet. They're not proclaiming revelation. Why? Because they, they would have been already dead at the time, except for Yohanan. He's the only one that proclaimed the book of Revelation to the ex -clea. 
So what was Rav Shaul and all these other apostles proclaiming? Since they can no longer proclaim the Tanakh, the Torah, the law. See, people don't use their minds. When Yeshua proclaimed God's word, he did not proclaim Matthew through Revelation. He proclaimed Bergit, which is Genesis, through Malachi or Second Chronicles. Because certain translations, they end differently. Okay? So let us move forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So this is what they say. This man is trying to persuade people to worship God in ways that violate Torah. Notice this. They're, they're saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right? And if the Torah had passed, if Yeshua had fulfilled the Torah where it had no meaning whatsoever anymore, then these Jewish unbelievers could not even bring these charges against Rav Shaul. So you've got to look at things from both directions to get a clear understanding. Torah still exists today. Yeshua fulfilled Torah, the way that we are to observe Torah, in its proper sense. And you know who fulfills Torah in and through us? But it's Yeshua, it's his righteousness. Let's move forward. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 14. Shaul was just about to open his mouth. He's ready. He has a freedom. But when Gallio said to the Jews, now notice this. Rashaul has control over his tongue. He can sense when it's time for him to speak and not to speak. And so the man that's the judge and presiding over this court opened his mouth. Rav Shaul had the basic understanding, I need to be silent. Because Rav Shaul knows this, that there are times when God takes the tongue of people that don't even know him, and they're able, God is able to proclaim his truth through them. Think of the false prophet, Balaam. There's your example. How about on the way to pronounce a curse on the nation of Israel, God takes the tongue of a donkey and causes that donkey to speak to Balaam. Because there's an angel of the Lord that stands before him that's about to put Balaam to death. And so Rav Shaul, he holds his tongue. And so Galileo said to the Jews, Listen, you Jews, if this is a case of inflicted injury or a serious crime, I could reasonably be expected to hear you out patiently, but since it involves questions about words and names, 
which are your own law. Notice that. So those, my Christian brothers out there that believe that you're not supposed to read the Old Testament, here's a proof text here where a pagan ruler recognizes that the Jews still have the Torah and the law. And this is after Yeshua has raised from the dead. So the law is still in existence and is effective. Then you must deal with it yourselves. I flatly refuse to judge on such matters. Why? Because he was not well-versed in Torah or the Jewish law. He was not an expert. He recognizes that. Let's move forward here. Verse 16. And he had them, what, ejected from the court? He booted them out of his court. I can't hear you. I can't make a proper judgment here. I don't understand your law. I don't understand your Torah. You know it. You guys decide. Let's move forward. Verse 17, they grab Sosthenes. We're introduced to a new person here. Who's this guy Sosthenes? I never heard of him. But what's the scripture say? He's the president of the synagogue. Which synagogue? The same synagogue where Crispus was formerly the president over. And gave him a beating in full view of the bench. But Galileo, Galileo, excuse me, showed no concern whatsoever. He could care less. It's out of my court. I don't care what they do. So going forward, Shaul remained there for some time. Notice this. They weren't able to grab a hold of him or beat Rav Shaul. Because what did Yeshua promise him a year and a half earlier? No one will harm you. Here's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy, which was uttered by whom? The greatest prophet that has ever lived and is still living today, and that is Yeshua. Let's go forward here. So verse 18, so Shaul remained for some time, then said goodbye to the brothers and sailed off to Syria. After having his hair cut short in Caesarea, because he had taken a vow, notice that, he took a vow. He's making vows unto the Lord. We're not given the details of the vow. Let's go forward. With him were whom? Priscilla and Aquila. So he's bringing them back to Syria with him. And he's probably introducing them to, <coughs> to brothers and sisters of Messianic communities along the way. So let's go forward to verse 19. They came to Ephesus. Now that's just not a city, is it not? We have the book of Ephesians. And he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and held a dialogue with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay with them longer, he declined. Notice this, he's well received in this particular synagogue. If he wasn't, they would have kicked him out. They would have started insulting him, but they didn't. 
However, his farewell, he said, God willing, notice that, God willing. That should be our expression to one another. If it be the will of the Lord, or the will of Yeshua, God willing, I will come back to you. See, I am not the one that's making decisions in my life. It's Yeshua. It's Abba Father God. It's Ruach HaKodesh. My life is hidden in God. That's what Rav Shaul was demonstrating to them going forward. Then he sent sail from Ephesus. After landing in Caesarea, where's Caesarea? That's back in the land, the land of Israel. So he sailed across the Mediterranean Sea. I know you have your maps, so we can follow here. And he went up where? To Jerusalem. And he greeted the Messianic community there. He's giving a report. This is what the Lord has done through me and through others, through Silas and Timothy. Then he came down to Antioch. Now that might sound strange to you because Antioch is north in, in Syria, present day Syria. All right. And so you went up to Jerusalem, because you go walk up, you make Aliyah. And when you leave Jerusalem, you go down. And then you go, then you can go north, south, east, or west. See, the city of Jerusalem is elevated from all the this, this hills, the mountains around about it. So notice that he went up to Jerusalem. He greeted, greeted the Messianic community. Then he came down and he went to Antioch. And he spent some time there. And afterwards, he set out and passed systematically through the region of Galatia. Look back at your maps where he's heading towards. Phrygia sounds like a cold place. Sounds like a city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Strengthening all the Talmudim, all the disciples encouraging them. See, that's what God wants us to do when we meet together, to encourage one another, to hear about what's going on in our own personal lives, and to encourage one another. Verse 21, meanwhile, a Jewish man named what? Apollos. That doesn't sound like a Jewish name. It's Greek, all right? A native of where? Alexandria. So where is Alexandria? Northern Africa. In the proximity of where Egypt is. Do you know that Alexandria had this library that was renowned? They had copies of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, translated from Hebrew into the Greek language. Who is who, who, whom is Alexandria named after? Alexander the Great, who was a world conqueror. And Alexandria had a massive Jewish community. You know what else is very unusual that was in Alexandria? 
There's a temple in Jerusalem, but there was also a temple, a Jewish temple in Alexandria. What did you say, Rabbi? That's what existed there. There were many synagogues, but they actually had a temple. Let's move forward here. Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent speaker and with a thorough knowledge of the Tanakh. Notice that. Underline that. He understands the Tanakh. Okay? So let's move forward. This man had been informed about the way of the Lord. So he knew about Yeshua's way. All right? And with great spiritual fervor, he spoke and taught accurately the facts about Yeshua. See, he knew the facts. He knew the historical facts here. And he was proclaiming these. But he only knew only the immersion of Yohanan. Wait a second. That's different, is it not? See, Yohanan was, the scripture says, that God would send whom? Someone in the spirit of Eliyahu, who is Elijah, and he would prepare the way of the Lord, the Lord Yeshua. And I'm going to wrap this up very, very quickly. And so that was a, a, a place where a person would come. Because remember this, Yohanan had his own disciples, and his disciples would ask him, and so would the Pharisees and scribes, and say, are you the Mashiach? Are you the Messiah? And he said, no. The one who's coming after me, I'm not even worthy enough to untie his sandal. And when his cousin came, who is Yeshua, he came to the waters of the river to go underneath the mikvah, the immersion. And when he saw him, what did he cry out? Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away what? The sins of the world. So let's go forward here. So he knew the of he knew only the immersion of Yohanan. So he went through the process of being immersed under the waters through the teaching of Yohanan. Going forward here, verse 26. He began to speak boldly out in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, notice this. See, these, this is a mature husband and wife who not only know the word of the Lord, of Yeshua, they understand the Tanakh, they understand as he was teaching, he only had revelation up to the point of Yohanan, John the Immerser. And so majority of what he's saying is true, but he doesn't have the full revelation of who Yeshua is up to this point. So let's go forward here. But when Priscilla and Quilla heard him, they took him aside and they did this. If you'd like to underline this in your Bibles and explained him the way of God in fuller detail. See, he needed more instruction he had passion. He was an eloquent speaker. He knew the Tanakh. He spoke out boldly, but he didn't fully understand 
that Yeshua is the Messiah. Let's move forward here. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God in a fuller detail. See, Rav Shaul was on that journey himself of understanding God in his full detail. We're on this journey together in understanding God's word and God's way in a fuller detail. Verse 27, when he made plans to cross over to into where? Acacia. Remember, Rav Shaul was in that area. The brothers encouraged him, and they wrote the Talmudim. They were saying, Apollos, we sent Apollos to you. This guy is right on. We vouch for him. He has received credentials through us. We've, we, we've been able to give him further instruction on the way of God in further detail. All right? The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the Talmudim there to welcome him with open arms, I had. On arrival, he greatly helped those who through what? Through grace. How do you come to know Messiah Yeshua? It's through God's amazing grace of revealing God's word and truth to us. It's through grace and grace alone that we have sound minds and full revelation of what God's words truly says. And that gives us then the ability through grace to expound upon that to other people as they're on that journey of receiving a full revelation of who God is and his plan of redemption through his son Yeshua by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of living God. So he helped those through grace had come to trust. Trust in what? Judaism? Trust in Yeshua as being the Messiah. For he powerful, powerfully and conclusively refuted the unbelieving Jews in public and demonstrating by the Tanakh, not through Matthew, through Revelation, but through the Tanakh, because the law and the Torah still stand. That's God's provision. If you cannot recognize Yeshua in the Tanakh and the Torah, then you do not, you only see portions of Yeshua. You don't see him in his full revelation. So I encourage all my Christian brothers and sisters out there, you need to read the old covenant. Otherwise, you cannot understand the Brit Hadishah new covenant. That's the foundation. And Yeshua is revealed just as much in the Tanakh as he is in the Brit Hadashah. It's all about him and God's redemptive plan. So verse 28, and I'll end on this. For he powerfully and conclusively refuted the unbelieving Jews in public, demonstrating by the Tanakh that what? That Yeshua is the Messiah. See now, Apollos had now come to the place where he fully matured as a Messianic believer, where he would focus his whole uh, ministry 
and his teaching and his training being focused on one thing, Yeshua being the Messiah. We lead people in error and we mislead them if we do not point them toward knowing Yeshua as the Messiah and having a personal relationship with him. If you're teaching and preaching anything else, then you're not preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. The greatest thing for every man and woman and child on this earth is come, come to know personally and have a relationship with Yeshua as being their Messiah. Yes and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat Shalom.